Good morning. My name is Michael McCusker. Torn amidst concern about possible re-election of America's worst president, who fomented an insurrection when he lost re-election last time, and now threatens, if he is elected again, considerable damage to democracy this time, the USA celebrates the birth this month of February of its most profound president, who saved democracy through a civil war. The month of February harvested two American presidents who had profound impact of democracy and liberty for all. The first president, George Washington, liberated English colonies into the USA through revolution. The 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, saved democracy, and abolished slavery through civil war. February is Black History Month, and one of its most dynamic figures in American black history was a white man, the aforementioned Father Abraham, as he was called, who was credited with being the major instrument of abolishing black slavery in the USA. He was not, of course, the only one. He just happened to be president of the USA and the figure most instrumental in the Civil War that ultimately abolished the abominable enslavement of black Americans, but unfortunately not the racial prejudice that continues to be directed toward them into this brand new millennium. This upcoming annual President's Day, Monday, February 19th, which honors Millard Fillmore, as well as one-term felonious Donald Trump, counterposes the first president, who is acclaimed for having never told the lie, to the latest ex-president, who lies at the same rate as his respiration and pulse. Black History Month began as a week in February 1926, which encompassed the birthdays of black abolitionist, runaway slave, and renowned scholar Stephen A. Douglas, who was born February 14, 1817, which is also the state of Oregon's statehood day from 1859, and encompasses Abraham Lincoln's birthday, February 12th. 1809. And that was something I wrote. And now, from the Washington Post by Patrick Marley, Oregon Supreme Court allows Trump to appear on primary ballot. Oregon's top court has allowed Donald Trump to run in the state's presidential primary, saying it would not take up the issue of whether he is qualified to get on the state's ballot 
while the Supreme Court considers a challenge on the issue from Colorado. Last month, the Colorado Supreme Court and Maine's Secretary of State separately concluded that the former president had engaged in insurrection before and during the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. That finding prevents Trump from running again because a provision of the Constitution's 14th Amendment that says those who engage in insurrection cannot hold office, the separate rulings found. Trump appealed the Colorado decision, and the Supreme Court has agreed to weigh in on the matter with arguments set for February 8th. Trump has separately appealed the main decision in state court. Colorado and Maine are allowing Trump's name to appear on their primary ballots while the Supreme Court considers the issue. In a brief order, Oregon Supreme Court Chief Justice Megan Flynn said her court was not accepting the case now and would wait to see what the U.S. Supreme Court does. A decision by the United States Supreme Court regarding the 14th Amendment issue may resolve one or more contentions that the plaintiffs make in this proceeding, Supreme Court Justice Flynn wrote in explaining the decision not to take the case. The Supreme Court decision will likely resolve for all states whether Trump can run in 2024. Without a Supreme Court ruling, some states could keep Trump's name off the ballot while others allow him to run. All sides hope for a quick ruling from the Supreme Court. Iowa holds the first nominating contest on Monday, and other states soon follow. Colorado and Maine hold primaries March 5th, which is also known as Super Tuesday. Oregon's primary is May 21st. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution bars from office those who engaged in insurrection after swearing an oath to uphold the Constitution. The amendment was ratified three years after the end of the Civil War, and the section on insurrectionists was meant to keep former Confederates out of office. Trump's opponents have used the measure to argue that the former president cannot appear on ballots around the country because of what he did and said before and during the attack on the U.S. Capitol as Congress met to certify Joe Biden's victory. Voters in Oregon filed their challenge to Trump's candidacy with the state's top court in November with the help of the liberal group Free Speech for People. That group also assisted with challenges in Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, and Massachusetts. The top courts in Michigan and Minnesota recently ruled that Trump could appear on the ballot in those states. The Illinois and Massachusetts challenges are pending. The Oregon Supreme Court's decision not to decide is disappointing, said a statement issued by Free Speech for People spokesman Edward Erickson. Waiting until the U.S. Supreme Court issues its order 
only compresses the time that the Oregon Supreme Court may have to resolve the issues that may remain if the U.S. Supreme Court does not fully resolve all the issues in this case. And that's a quote by Edward Erickson. Trump campaign spokesman Stephen Chung said in a written statement that the Oregon Supreme Court made the right decision. He called the legal challenges to Trump's candidacy a form of election interference and said they should be dismissed. And now, from the Washington Post, the 91-year-old Republican suing to kick Donald Trump off the ballot. Also by Patrick Marley. Lakewood, Colorado. Norma Anderson left the Colorado legislature nearly two decades ago, but she still keeps a copy of the state's statutes in her home office. She carries a pocket constitution in her purse. She has another copy, slightly larger, with images of the founding fathers on the cover that she leaves on a table in her sitting room so she can consult it when she watches TV. Anderson, 91, is the unlikely face of a challenge to Trump's campaign that is to be heard by the Supreme Court today. She was a force in Colorado politics for decades, serving as the first female majority leader in both chambers of the legislature. She is a Republican, but has long been skeptical of Trump and believes he is an insurrectionist who crossed a verboten line on January 6, 2021, that should bar him from holding office again. He tried to overturn an election, she said. The very first time I ever ran, I didn't win. I didn't go out and try to change the election. I said, whoops, work harder next time, lady. The 2024 election could turn on whether the Supreme Court agrees with Anderson and five other Republican and independent voters who persuaded Colorado's top court to rule that Trump is ineligible to run again. The justices, three of whom were nominated by Trump, are expected to quickly decide the historic Trump versus Anderson case with their ruling likely to apply across all 50 states. Although considered a legal long shot, a decision in Anderson's favor would jolt American politics by preventing the GOP frontrunner from continuing his campaign. However, the justices rule they are likely to displease a large chunk of an intensely polarized electorate. The case is built on the 14th Amendment, which was adopted three years after the end of the Civil War, to, to guarantee rights for the formerly enslaved and to prevent former Confederates from returning to power. That latter provision, known as Section 3, is written broadly to say that those who engage in insurrection after taking an oath to support the Constitution cannot hold office. Anderson's lawsuit, brought with the help of the group 
Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, argues that Trump can't appear on Colorado's March 5th primary ballot because he engaged in insurrection before and during the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Colorado's high court agreed in a 4-3 ruling in December, and Trump appealed the case to the Supreme Court. Section 3 was dormant for more than a century, but received new attention after January 6th. CREW spearheaded a lawsuit in 2022 that bounced a county commissioner in New Mexico out of office because of his role in the attack on the Capitol. The debates over whether Section 3 can block Trump from office have not always followed clean ideological lines. Some prominent conservative scholars have contended that Trump should be deemed ineligible for office, even as some liberals have argued that the best way to shore up democracy is to defeat Trump at the ballot box. Polls show the country is split on whether Trump should be disqualified. The former president has called the attempts in Colorado and other states to remove him from the ballot an anti-democratic attempt to interfere with the election. Before attorney Mario Nicholas approached Norma Anderson to be part of a lawsuit seeking to bar Trump from the ballot, he asked Pam Anderson, the 2022 Republican nominee for Colorado Secretary of State. She decided not to do it, but suggested Nicholas try her mother-in-law. Nicholas, a research analyst for Rudy Giuliani's 2008 presidential campaign, who is now working with CREW, was thrilled to learn a Republican luminary might consider signing on and called Norma Anderson. She agreed on the spot. The short answer was, yes, Nikolai said, and the long answer was, hell yes. Also signing on to the suit were a former Republican member of Congress from Rhode Island who now lives in Colorado, a teacher, a former deputy chief of staff to a Republican governor, a former executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Larimer County, and a conservative columnist for the Denver Post. Trump campaign spokesman Stephen Chung called CREW a front group for Democrats that is using plaintiffs who are rhinos, Republicans in name only, to give themselves political cover. In a written statement, he noted legal efforts to kick Trump off the primary ballot in other states have failed. We believe a fair ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States will keep President Trump on the ballot and allow the American people to re-elect him to the White House, Tung said. Raised a Republican, Anderson said she was attracted to the party's belief in fiscal restraint, personal responsibility, and a strong national defense. She hosted a reception for Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona years before he became the 1964 Republican nominee for president. She oversaw Republican caucuses as a party committee woman, and she knocked on doors to help GOP candidates long before mounting campaigns of her own.
She won a seat in the Colorado House in 1986, four years after losing her first bid. Her status as the first female majority leader means less to her, she said in an interview in her suburban Denver home, than what she considers her legislative accomplishments, creating the Colorado Transportation Department, rewriting the state's school funding system, and establishing a visiting nurse program. During her tenure in the legislature, Anderson was considered a conservative who could work with others but knew how to get her way, said Dick Walthams, a political consultant and former chairman of the Colorado Republican Party. Once she decided she was on an issue, she stuck to that, he said. She didn't waver, and I think that's one of the reasons why she was so popular at the time with Republicans, because she was strong. Nobody pushed Norma around. This is Michael McCusker. Joanne Rideout steadfastly remains this program's engineer. This past Monday, February 5th, was the 178th anniversary of the first Yankee Doodle newspaper published on the North American Pacific Coast, the Oregon Spectator, in 1846, a year known to American historians and to writer Bernard DeVoto in particular as, quote, the year of decision, unquote, the title to his famous history. You've been listening to A Story Told on KMUN, featuring Michael McCusker, journalist, activist, former firefighter, and Vietnam veteran. Michael has been sharing essays and poetry on A Story Told since 1987. For 30 years, he published the North Coast Times-Eagle newspaper out of his home in Astoria, Oregon. Michael currently shares his work and the works of other authors from his home on the Central Oregon coast. Join us here next week for A Story Told. To round out today's show, Michael asked me to play a piece by Paul Robeson. Here's his rendition of Joe Hill. saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes Says Joe what they forgot to kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill 
where working men defend their rights. It's there you'll find your heel. It's there you'll find your heel. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I